Fable, a pastoral podcast where we discuss common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. I'm Mark. I'm Matt Miller. I'm Matt Henry. And I'm Lena. All right, we made it through that, guys. Good <laughs> yeah, job. we're going to count that. All right, that's let's a, do it. That's our intro. All right, let's get into it. We're, so we're still back. recovering from Ethiopia. Yeah. yeah, that's our excuse. You're recovering from Belfast. Yeah, I'm still recovering from Belfast. It's been a couple weeks, but I'm recovering from being alone in America. Yeah, I don't know what's worse, traveling halfway around the world or that. But <laughs> trust me, Belfast is not halfway around the world. I felt like it, honestly. I've never been. It's anywhere. only half of a half. Half of our trip was just Quarter. getting to Dublin. Uh, yes. Oh yes. <laughs> half. That's only half the trip. <laughs> is that right? Because <laughs> they have to land to refuel. Okay. Just well, to get back. Well, you guys didn't okay. have to drive on the opposite side of the road, so you don't have to deal with that nonsense. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, there just is no road. So <laughs> there's okay. Yeah, you have a road to drive on. So yeah, but exactly. How many donkeys did you dodge? <laughs> I didn't. Or goats, no, or no. herds of cattle blocking the highway. <laughs> Fortunately, they got rid of those before I got there. Yeah. Yeah. There's no. They didn't cheap. have those. So that was good. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. However, there was one working stoplight. Hmm. One, so yeah, and that's the one he decided to stop at. And I remember being like, "Why?" So this one works. He stopped, but there's no one here. Right. But in the middle of the city, where it's chaos, there's no nobody pays attention to. Right. There is no. Yeah, it makes no sense. Right. Hmm. You you just had to deal with roundabouts. Yeah. Going yeah. the wrong way. Going going the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. very exhausting, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, well, the 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 hardest part was dealing was was I was talking to you guys. I had to get I had to have a van because it's the only thing in automatic. <laughs> oh, you don't drive a stick. What's that? No, I don't drive a stick. No. Can you imagine him learning in Belfast with <laughs> the wrong hand? <laughs> the wrong hand. Yeah. On the right side of the road. <laughs> Nothing good would come from that. Anyhow, I'm so you got you, a van. I had a van. It was a joke. I I literally I tried I tried to drive it. I, I, I had a buddy at work that talked me into um, getting a car because he thought it'd be fun to drive it around in, in Ireland. So I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. I got it, got into the city, got to my hotel area, by my hotel. There's a parking garage, but they're all super small because the cars are super small. Like no one drives a van like I was driving. <laughs> and so I'm trying to move up in the parking lot to get parked so I can go to my hotel. And all the areas are so tight and I had sensors around in every little the entire there's a perimeter around the car of sensors going off and I couldn't even move anywhere. Constant beeping. <laughs> so it was constant beeping. I was literally inching. It took me it probably took me like 20 minutes to make two turns. Oh, I'm sure the people behind you loved you. No, it was so bad. Yeah. No, yeah, no. I was actually about to just stop the car and we can get out and be like, can you get someone just please drive the I will pay you. Just drive this thing out of here. And I will go. I was so afraid. I didn't dent it though. It was good. I don't think. Now, <laughs> don't what think. was the pastor? What was your pastor's advice about driving in what, Belfast? What was your advice? Yeah. Did you give me advice before I went? Oh, so you didn't even listen? <laughs> oh, I didn't even heed your advice. Yeah, no. Yeah. I said, don't do it. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> I should have done it. Everyone told me not to do it. Freaking Carson, man. I was He's like, like, it'd be a great, yeah, be a great well, idea. You know. 
And well, the m- problem was that you had back. the van. If you had had their little yeah. roller skates that they all drive, it's totally different. But yeah. yeah. So then I brought it. I brought it back right away. I, I think I got it for half an hour, probably, because <laughs> it takes five minutes here. I had to go. It probably took me like 20, 25 minutes in this parking garage. And then they just laughed at me. Well, you realize Stupid in Belfast Americans. right now in the pubs, they're still telling that story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone, I was a complete, I made a complete spectacle of myself from getting on the bus and trying to pay for that. I know what I was doing. It was a <laughs> I can't believe I made it out of there. Everybody but, was very kind yeah, though. They were, they were, they were friendly. They just, they laughed. I like to say they laughed, they laughed with me. Yeah. With you. <laughs> so it was good. <laughs> Not like sure. and share. Like and share. <laughs> 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 Rate uh, and review. All right, cool. So anyhow, all that to say is we're all not sure how this will turn out tonight. Nope. Nope. Well, I don't think it's what you think. So it Matt, is what are we you. talking about? Tongues. It is not what you think. I think it's not proper. I think it's it is not what you think it is. You, that's two verbs. I don't care. And I think we've lost about half of our listeners. All right. Somebody who's a grammar. No, 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 no. Don't ask for someone who knows grammar. <laughs> oh, I'll never hear the end of All it. All right. Scratch that. <laughs> no, let's make... I'm sticking with mine. It, it, it's not what you think it is. I think it's... It is not what you think. I'm... Okay. <laughs> we're going to create a... We're going to create a poll. Yeah, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll do a the, poll here. In the poll, yeah. And whoever... And Whoever wins gets a free mug. But, but we're not gets asking what sounds good. Yeah. We're asking grammatically what is correct. Well, so then, then we're inviting the grammar police. Good. Good. <laughs> we want them to weigh in in our poll. Yeah. Sure. There's not going to be a poll, so don't look for it. No, there'll be a poll. Yeah, for sure. All right, Anyhow, tongues. Tongues. It's not what you think. It is. It is. Correct. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, so we introduced it our last time, and uh, basically we just talked about the nature of tongues. Uh, We saw that the term itself is not really that helpful because they they chose to just translate it as tongues when often it really should be translated as speech or language, Uh, sort of like how the word baptize is not real helpful because it literally means to immerse, but because they didn't do that and they chose to transliterate it as baptize. Uh, now we have people debating what baptize means. Mm-hmm. So, can I ask um, you a question? Why did they do that? I, do you remember? I, why it's translated baptizo? as baptize? Or, yeah. or yeah, it's just or, transliterated. Yeah, it's translated. I think it, they did it because by that time they were already doing infant baptism. Yeah, okay. they were doing that pretty early and on. And so, um, I think that's why, but I don't know. Okay. Maybe a Greek cool. police could weigh in on that one. We'll start another poll. Um, anyhow, it. but the problem is it doesn't help then. Uh, a term that's so simple like tongues, which simply should be translated as language, um, is left as tongues, and then we start thinking it's angelic speech of some type. Um, so what we then did was looked at the book of Acts, uh, which is a key book when you ever hear anyone talk about uh, tongue speaking. And we learned that in reality, very little is said in that book about it. Um, And we saw that was obvious that they were speaking in foreign languages. uh, And we showed that Uh, it was discernible by others who were listening because they were hearing them speak in their own uh, language. Um, 
We then talked about how it's common to confuse the idea of the Spirit filling people with the idea of being baptized with the Spirit, and that they're two distinct events. Um, and so we, I think we explained that filling speaks of a work of God so that they're uniquely empowered to do something such as prophesy or speak in another language, where Spirit baptism is not a work of the Spirit, but actually of Christ, where He brings a person into union within the church as part of the process of salvation. Um, spirit baptism then is true for all believers, but not spirit filling. Uh, but the most important point learned was that we can only know for certain that the speaking in these other languages only happened in three specific times in Acts. That's it. So you got the day of Pentecost, uh, where the Gentiles, uh, with the Gentiles evangelized by Peter and Paul with a few men in Asia Minor. Um, and one other place. Oh, it's also possible that this occurred in Acts 8 with the Samaritans, but it's not clear. Um, the point is that this was a very unique event that only happened a few times. Um, and so to try to make even Acts show that this was normal, um, you're going beyond what the scripture says. In fact, you, you know, I just finished reading a book on four different views on the miraculous gifts. You read it last year. And that was interesting how two of the views, they were trying to make it normative. And it's like, you're, you're making an argument that doesn't exist. Right. Um, it's just not there. So with all of that, what we did was we ended the episode by asking you, the listener, to pay attention when you hear people talking about tongues. Uh, listen to what they're actually saying and ask yourself when you hear it, how much of what they say is the result of some experience versus actual statements from the Bible. And we hope you did it. Um, it, it should have opened your eyes a bit um, because so much of what is now being said about and believed about tongue speaking simply is not found within the scripture. It's just assumed. And also hopefully will help you realize that just because people talk about something or even experience it doesn't make it necessarily correct or good or true. So what are we yeah. going to do this episode? So we're going to we're going to talk about um, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. Well, on this one we're only going to do maybe 12 kind of. Yeah. Cuz it's it's, yeah, it's a long passage. But it, obviously it's the main one or the premier one that people go to. Um, so caveat with this is we can't do, we're not going to do an in-depth treatment on these chapters as if we were preaching through them, you know, expositionally. So there's going to be a lot of intriguing points that we're just going to leave out because they don't relate to the topic of yeah. tongues itself. Um, but we are going to deal with the nature of tongues. And in all that, we're going to try and show how tongues speaking is not necessarily what many people think it is. Right. Um, and then finally, it's worth noting that this is the only other place in the entire Bible that deals with tongues. Um, so you had those those ones in Acts you mentioned about three times, and then here. And one other place, uh, the listener in the UK did respond back to us, and he also mentioned that he keeps hearing about Mark 16, uh, where it says oh, that sure, they'll sure. speak in other tongues. So we're going to delve Which a little bit. Which is part of the Bible. But. Yeah. And that, I'm like, oh, great, that one. Uh, so we'll yeah. deal with Mark 16, but that's like, we'll sure. try not to bore anyone. Yeah. Um, 
hopefully it'll Textual be very criticism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Might as well go nice and light today. So yeah. yeah, but we'll deal with that one too, but not tonight. Yeah. Um so So truthfully though, it's those three times in Acts and then here in First Corinthians. That's it. That's it. Uh so but, but to listen to people talk, you'd swear yeah. that yeah. everywhere yeah. you go look at in the Bible, this is what you should be doing. Yeah. As, yeah. as if it's a yeah, prominent part of the Christian faith. So chapters 12 and 13 of 1 Corinthians, uh, let's talk about this. Um, background is essential. Uh, it's essential when you're talking about any passage. Um, but the, the challenge when talking about tongues and spiritual gifts is that, you know, rarely do, at least when you're talking to people, do they take the time to see the context in which Paul is in, instructing here on the nature of these things. Right. And so we're going to try and do that very thing here without, though, getting tied up in too many details. So the, the issue here is not spiritual gifts, and that's key right. know, for understanding this context correctly. The, the issue Paul is dealing with is not spiritual gifts themselves. Rather, spiritual gifts are simply the presenting issue. Um, the, the real issue that Paul is addressing is the issue of unity and love mm. for one another. Um, so, so if you keep that in mind through chapters 12 through 14, it's going to make a whole lot more sense and it's going to tie the whole unit together because there's one underlying issue here. So in chapter eight, he is discussing the misuse of a person's freedom in Christ. Um, so by eating food offered to idols, they were flaunting that freedom to harm weaker believers. So they knew they were free, but they were being ruled by their freedom rather than a love for others. So there you see that lack of unity and love toward others. Right. And this is where he's really starting to pick up that whole argument of, yeah, look, yeah. you guys are screwed up. When you look at chapters 12, 13, and 14, and you try to make it all about tongues, many people think it's a positive instruction. Mm -hmm. It's actually a corrective one. It's his one large And rebuke. it's like, you guys are yeah. so, yeah, yeah, one yeah. large rebuke. That's a nice way of saying yeah. that. Uh, so, yeah, so go ahead and... Yeah, well, so in, so in eight, yeah, in chapter eight, he's dealing with the issue of food offered to idols and how there was a lack of love or unity in that. In chapter nine, uh, Paul then uses himself as, as an example to follow. Uh, he had all the rights due of an apostle. We know that, but he, as he says, does not demand them. Rather, for the sake of the gospel and the souls of the unbelievers, he became a Jew for the Jews and a Gentile for the Gentiles. Um, so that's how he's understanding his freedom. And then in chapter 10, he deals with immorality um, again, and also the Lord's Supper. Uh, so they were taking the Lord's Supper improperly. This, of course, led to a discussion on how to interact lovingly with various unbelievers in the situation. Uh, he actually, he, so he writes here, he says, give no offense either to Jews or to Greeks, or to the church of God, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of the many that they may be saved. Now that's actually important because he's going to bring up that whole point again in our chapters where it's not about what pleases me. Right. Yeah. It's what profits others. Right. And he's going to, that's his big argument with tongues is you don't even understand how to use tongues because it's all about you rather than the body. Yeah. But, so, so yeah. So, so yeah. yeah I'm, I'm getting ahead. But that's all right. Yeah. So in eight, nine, and 10, if he's dealing with issues of love and disunity. Right. Right. What's he doing in 11? Well, then now he deals with the arrogance of the people toward um, 
what we'd call cultural norms uh, and one another. So he, he rebukes the women who were shedding the norms of head coverings, uh, shaving their heads. They were rebelling against God's created order uh, in these relationships. And then he comes right back to the Lord's Supper. So that was another big issue for yeah. him. Yeah. Um, and he's rebuking the rich because they're showing up because they don't have to work and they're eating all the food and getting drunk. Uh, meanwhile, the slaves who are poor show up and all the food's eaten. And they show up to a drunken party. Yeah. Uh, again, this lack of, it's like, do you not, as he says, don't you have your own homes? Right. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, you got your own food. Go eat there. Yeah. I, I, but, but again, it's that mindset of it's all about me. Um, and, and so yeah. he's just building and building and building this whole self-centered, uh, I need this. I deserve it, whatever it might be. And that's just bottom line. It's all yeah. a lack of love. So the, these various things that were happening were the manifestations of that lack of love. So, he, I mean, in the Lord's Supper and head coverings and yeah. these various things. So so that's what's happening in 8 through 11. But then you get to chapter 12 and he says, um, now concerning spiritual gifts. Yeah. Right? So, so that's not to say it's an entirely new topic as we were just saying. Rather, he's now going to address spiritual gifts, but as they relate to this much greater issue of disunity and lack of love. Uh, so it's simply a continuation of the point that he's been addressing now for eight, nine, 10, 11, four chapters. And, and if people can, if, I really hope they're listening to that part because at that point, these chapters become so much more easier to yeah. interpret because you're like, oh, I see the point, the big point. So, yeah. yeah. So, all these chapters leading up, it's been one topic, and he's, he's continuing it. That's it. Yeah. Uh, so, in 12, 1 through 3, chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, he deals with those in the church claiming to be spiritual people, um, but were, in fact, declaring things like Jesus is accursed. So, <laughs> I don't know yeah, how, how that one works out. We don't know. I do. Well, oh, actually, it's coming up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to build the narrative here. Sorry, you know? here. Right. I wrote that. In. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot I wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so very, um, so very similar to many foolish things you'll you'll hear people today claiming revelation things like that. So, you got some examples. Well, yeah, Jen Johnson. I believe she is she the wife I don't or know. the daughter of daughter-in-law. Daughter-in-law. Okay. Of. Uh, Bill Johnson of Bethel Church. Uh, she claims that the Holy Spirit is a blue genie who's very sneaky. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And what's really sad in, this, in the multiple videos that you'll hear her say the same story over and over again, everyone is laughing. No one freaks out. No one's shocked. No one is dismayed. No one rebukes her. They all think this is really cool as if this is some inside knowledge. Um, and you're like, who would ever say Jesus is a curse? Well, the same people who would say G that the Holy Spirit's a blue genie. Um, Todd Bentley, he was infamous for the Lakeland Revival in 2008. Uh, he claims to hear from God. And he's, this is a direct quote of what he claims God told him. He says, you know, I told the Lord, why can't I just move in healing and forget about all that other stuff? And he said, he being God, well, because Todd, you got to get the people to believe in the angel. And I said, God, why do I want people to believe in the angel? Isn't it about getting the people to believe in Jesus? And he said, the people already believe in Jesus, but the church doesn't believe in the supernatural. And it's like deep. 
Yeah, um, like this is really something awesome. And it's like, well, are, is anyone really shocked this guy was having multiple affairs and all the other garbage he's up? Right, right. Well, but but if you're but nobody would touch him because he was one of these spiritual ones. He, I mean, he's anointed by God. Don't touch God's anointed. On and on. It's the same stuff going on here in Corinth. These are spiritual people claiming visions, words of knowledge, and such. And that simply don't fit with the truth. And so he's like, look, let's just deal with this. Anyone says that, uh, it's not of, of the Lord. And so in verse 1, at most translations will say now, concerning spiritual gifts. Now, you'll notice in most of your translations, so if you look at it, that the word gift is in the italics because it's actually not there. Um, it literally is rendered this way. Now, concerning the spirituals. Um, and it can refer to spiritual people, spiritual gifts, depending on the context. And in fact, it's a, actually a little mix of both of these in the verse. Um, and that's a point of great interest in the Corinthian church. The word spirituals um, actually appears 15 times in this book alone. Um, there, and what was going on is that there's this misunderstanding in the church regarding spiritual things that manifested itself in these various ways. So this is why in verses 2 and 3, it seems strange in our context. Like, what does this have to do with spiritual gifts? Somebody saying Jesus mm -hmm. is a curse. Well, he's not. He's talking about people who are claiming to be gifted, that they're, they're the spiritual ones in the church, that they are the ones who have these unique anointings, and yet they're coming up with these outlandish statements, and, and nobody thinks they can speak against it. He's like... I'll speak against it. Um, that's not from God. Um, and so he's very much on topic. Uh, the church was not lacking uh, in Corinth any spiritual gift. And this church specifically loves showing off those gifts, especially the gift of tongues and prophecy. But it is all gets twisted up in this one-upmanship, and great evil ends up being the result, all under that guise of, you know, yeah. I'm so spiritual. Yeah, and in fact, this is the point for why he's, in that passage, is talking about these pagans being led astray by, quote, mute idols, as he says. His point is that just as those pagans were misled, so also the, the Corinthian church was acting in a way that was beginning to evidence that it also was starting to be misled with regard to their understanding and use of spiritual gifts. Right. Um, and again, this was being most seen in their disunity and the way that the gifts were causing disunity. So that's your first three verses. Then he goes in verses uh, four through 11. He starts to show the source of all the giftedness and the purpose. You want to read that? That's a pretty long passage there, Lena. Sure. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. And there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as He wills. For even as the body is one, and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. All right, so 
it's a it's a long passage, but it's not hard to follow. Um, he's simply showing that true gifts come from the triune God, who dispenses them according to His will, and and then causes them to accomplish what He desires, which is pretty cool. Uh, in verse four, then we learn the gifts come in a great variety, and and actually the way it's constructed, it it seems to be emphasizing that no person has the same gift. Uh, everyone has a, a, a unique makeup, and it, and it emphasizes the fact that all of us are necessary for the well-being of the body. Uh, so in verse 5, then, the ministries that come as a result of the gifts are also determined by God, specifically Jesus. And then in verse 6, the effects of those gifts, not just the ministry, but even the outcome of them, uh, are gifts that come from the Father. But all of it is built around these two points, that these are gifts of grace, meaning they're unearned, undeserved, they're purely by grace, and therefore there's no room to ever be arrogant because you have a, a level of giftedness, uh, which is exactly what's taking place in Corinth, yeah. is yeah. Uh, I'm so spiritual. The second one is that God is the one who shall use the gifted people in his way. Uh, so then in verse 7, he sums up his point from verses four through six. He says, but to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. And the point of, the, again, that we've already emphasized this in our intro, but no matter how big or small the giftedness is, no matter how large or small the ministry is, no matter how great or little the effect is, there's only one purpose in it. Um, and it's the common good of the body. It's got nothing to do with you if you're the one using it. And and again, this is completely opposite from what you see in the Church of Corinth. It's all about the person using this gift. And we're going to make a big point of this when you get to chapter 14, because one of the big arguments people make is that when I'm speaking in tongues, or when I'm praying in tongues, they'll say, I'm praying and it edifies my spirit. Right. Paul says so. Yeah. But they miss the point that Paul is making. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, but that's not its purpose. Um, it's not good. And yet that's why we do it. Right. We need to edify your spirit. Yeah, the, your, the, the gifting you have isn't a gift to you. It's you, you're functioning as now as God's gift to the church right. as, as he works through you by the spirit. So you're actually a gift to the body, not to yourself, so, right. which is why that verse makes no sense when they interpret it that way, because it's not about you. And it has, I mean, it has nothing to do with you. It's always for the building up of you're the gift to them. In other yes. Words. And, and all of, you, you may be wondering why we're beating this to death, but we have to, because first of all, we're swimming upstream against just this a cacophony of voices. They're telling you all about what tongues are and how they're good and necessary and this and that. When in fact, that's not even the point of the passage. And um, what you end up doing is just repeating the same Corinthian error over and over and over again. And it's very discouraging uh, to watch. Yeah. So then you want to pick up that verse sure. 8 and 10? Yeah, and through 8 and Eight, uh, eight through 10, Paul, um, he then gives a sample listing of the gifts in these verses. Now, these are not all of the gifts. It's merely done to emphasize the diversity of giftedness that's within the church. And so it's important that we understand that that it's not designed to be an all-inclusive right. listing. Um, rather, it's designed to show how the same Holy Spirit gives out uh, tremendously diverse types of gifts and giftedness and that again is reiterated in verse 11. 
Uh, and then why? Well, again, the reason for this is to fight against that, that false teaching going on there at Corinth, that there were some gifts that were, you know, quote, the spiritual ones. And therefore, those who had these gifts were the, quote, spiritual men or women. Again, similar to what we see happening today. Yep. Um, if I hear one more time that so-and-so is so anointed, I'm like... Whatever that means. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and yeah, I'll, I'll leave it right there. So then the rest of chapter 12? Um, it, it comes then... Um, in the rest of this chapter, this whole instruction comes with about each member of the body having this value or purpose. And again, that's not emphasized in what you see so often today. Uh, but again, it's that central problem, a lack of true love or a, a respect for one another. It, it's this one-upmanship where all these people are claiming their gift is more spiritual, uh, therefore they're the more spiritual person, and those who were not gifted in some external way, such as prophecy or teaching, were made to see themselves as less. So he's talking about the people who are of less honor, a less honorable. He says, actually, they're necessary and good and, and vital for the church. Uh, but you can just imagine that if you don't have the showy gift, and yeah. and we've already made the argument that the showy gift is the spiritual one, well, then you're immediately made to feel. Yeah. But it's no different than the slave showing up. Right. And he finds everyone's no already eaten. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I was really kind of banking on that meal. That might have been his only meal that day. And he shows up, it's all, he's got the scraps and everyone's drunk. And it's like... Uh, I don't count. I, apparently, I don't matter. Um, so you compare that again to many churches that practice tongue speaking. Um, uh, this isn't true for every church, but there are so many churches who will see someone not participating in speaking in tongues, and they'll conclude that they're somehow less spiritual or less in step with the Holy Spirit. And I've actually heard that from people saying, you know, that 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 they hurt for us. Have you ever had anyone tell, tell you that oh, they're yeah. sad for you because you're not experiencing the fullness of the Spirit? And it's like, yeah. pretty sure I am. And and yet it's that smug, even though they would never want to claim it, it's a, this smug, I'm, I'm at a higher level, a fuller experience than you are, and I pity you. And it's like you're missing the point of the passage. So from there, you want to read verses 28 to 30, Lena? And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healing, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? Yeah, kind of repetitive, right? But yeah. he's, you can get the sense that he's trying to drive home a point. Um, and it's very important for us to hear well, because it starts out with, and God has appointed. So what comes after is not just some man's opinion, but rather this is the expressed will of God. God's the one who has appointed these things. And he gives this order of importance to the church. The first was the apostle. And what's interesting is that the last two are tongues and the interpretation of them. Uh, so it's a very important point that in that tongues is so often seen as key gift, but its value is quite small as compared to the others. 
Um, and again, Paul is putting everything into a proper perspective. Uh, the one of, and one of those is that he, as an apostle, is teaching them something that they really need to learn. And and I don't I don't have it in my notes, but in First and Second Corinthians, there's this attack against Paul as the apostle, yeah. and they're not impressed with him. And and people, there's these teachers in the church who are speaking against him and trying to draw the listeners away from the Apostle Paul. And here Paul is saying, look, the first thing he gave to the church is the Apostle. Right. I am that Apostle, and I'm telling you what you're doing is wrong, and they're not getting it. Um, and so it's a worth noting then that tongues don't appear in any of the other listings in the gifts in the Bible, and yet they're the source of all sorts of fighting in Corinth. Uh, and all Paul is saying here is, look, they are of limited value, but things like the apostle, the prophet, the teacher, far greater importance. Um, you want to? Yeah, that? and then he then he gives that statement. Um, but earnestly desire the greater gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. Now, there's there's two ways to understand that phrase of earnestly desire, and the first is to see it as each of us should be asking God to give us a greater gift like these that Paul just listed. Right. Um, but of course that would contradict everything he's, he's written up to this point. God so. has appointed, yeah. Yeah. Um, the second is to desire the, the greater gifts to be seen and practiced in greater prominence in the church. And, and why? Well, because they bring the greatest help to the entire body. Which, which would be hard for them to hear though, because you can imagine the power and the prestige and maybe even the money that comes if you're one of the spirituals. And and now you're, can you imagine the first time they had that read to the church, this letter, and they're watching their entire power structure crumble as they're being told, this is not what you should be earnestly desiring to see in abundance in the church, but yeah, yeah. something very different. Go right. ahead. Um, and then he sums it up by giving that, that statement, and I will show you a still more excellent way. Um, so in other words, evidently, even desiring the more important gifts is still not the best way, right? Uh, which is interesting. Um, so there is a better way, a way driven by love, of course, is what he's going to get into in chapter 13. Um, and so that's what he wants them to do. And so he, he's going to then explain this whole idea of love, um, which is, again, the main point for why he's been writing for several chapters now. Um, but he's going to give a full thing on that in 13 before uh, looking at the divisiveness caused by tongue speaking in this church. You say divisiveness? I do. I say divisiveness. Ah. I like your way. I think your way sounds cooler. Well, See, you know. I'm not divisive. <laughs> I'm inclusive. Oh, no. Or inclusive. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Anyhow, so we're taking a long approach, obviously, on this topic. But if you've been listening to us for any length of time, you know that we take everything along. Approach. Yeah. Um, it is what we do. It is what we do because too often people just make a lot of jokes and tell a few stories and they never really deal with anything in a substantial way. We're hoping to give them something better. Um, and all we're asking you to do is hang in there because building that context becomes very important in understanding tongues. And too often it's not done. Yeah. And so... It's one of the main reasons why there's so much mis misunderstanding on the stuff. And so we're going to continue on uh, in our next podcast and build off of this. 
Uh, but until then, make certain to tune in, join the conversation, let us know what you think. And don't forget to like, share, comment, rate, review, and tell all your friends. Thank you.